Hi everyone, thanks for stopping by our Table of Disappointment. This is How They Got Away, the show where we discuss the unsatisfying endings to your favorite unsolved or unpunished true crime and corporate greed stories. I'm your host today, Kelsey, with my co-host... Annalise. And our two guests... It's me, Stephanie. And Anna, last as usual. Today's case is... I wouldn't say it's one of the most famous cases in the true crime community, but it's still pretty well known after it happened in 2017. It's recently gotten a lot of attention in the news and in the true crime community itself due to a major breakthrough in the case as of October 2022. That's right, today's case is the murders of Abigail Williams and Liberty German, colloquially known as the Delphi murders. Wow, these words mean nothing to me. <laughs> me scratching my head. The Delphi? Like, the Miss Oracle herself? Like, Miss Delphi? I always think it's interesting when, because Stephanie and Anna aren't really into true crime, so we'll, Annalise and I will be like, yes, of course, the Delphi murders. <laughs> and then Stephanie and Anna are just like... <laughs> but I know these cases, but I specifically, because Kelsey said she was going to talk about it, did not look up anything about the updates. I know. I started seeing the updates and I, I thought to myself, oh, I, I don't want to look at these yet because I want to either Annalise might cover this or I want to cover it. So I don't want to I don't want to spoil myself just yet. So I'd been like saving all these different sources and videos. And now we're here. Delphi, Indiana was one of those classic, quiet, small towns that always seems to be prevalent in true crime cases. One of those towns where nothing really happens until something happens. Nobody really saw a need to lock their doors before this incident. People trusted their neighbors. I feel like this town was very similar to where we grew up. My parents only just started locking their doors this year. And that's not because they're worried about crime. It's because a bear has started wandering around the neighborhood. <laughs> There's even a sign on the garage door that says danger bears. Like, to, in case you are thinking about opening the door willy-nilly. <laughs> It should be danger to bears, actually, and the bears see the sign, and they're like, oh no, and they turn. They go, oh god, Sadie is here. Yeah, Sadie, look at her. She's like the size of a little bear. Sadie, the family's dog. Mm, she's muscle. She'd scare a bear. Little bear. That girl is, like, straight muscle. Well, sorry, disclaimer, uh, because not everybody knows who Sadie is. She's a dog? She's not an actual little girl? She's a dog. She's a kind of big dog. She actually, this summer, this is totally off topic, but she uh, chased these bears up a tree in the summer, scared the bejesus out of both my parents, and then the bear realized that it was a bear and then came back down the tree, and my dog, who we love, <laughs> but has maybe two brain cells to rub together on her best day, but even she was like, the math ain't mathin' on this one, and immediately booked it back at the house, so... <laughs> She may not defend us from the bear apocalypse. <laughs> what a pivot. Liberty Rose Lynn German and Abigail Joyce Williams, who I will be referring to as Libby and Abby going forward, as that's what they went by. I don't know. I just think it's so cute. That is so cute that it rhymes. They were born December 27th, 2002 and June 23rd, 2003, respectively. And very early into researching this case, I kind of had to sit with that for a few minutes because we're recording this in late December. Libby would be coming up on her 19th birthday shortly. And Abby was born 
like a couple of months after my sister was. And my sister's in her sophomore year of college. Don't put that in my brain. I'm going to imagine Aaron now. Oh, it gets even worse. How old is Aaron again? 19. Or, yeah, 19. Okay. Okay, I had to think, and I was like, crap, which one of my sisters is around that age? I should know this better. It's Alice. And I'm like, huh. Hmm. I don't like this. I had to sit with this and think about how these families... Like, my sister's in her sophomore year of college now, and my those families don't get that. They don't get to even see them go to high school. And that I barely had started researching this. I'd opened up the Wikipedia just to get an overview, and I immediately had to close the laptop and just sit and look out the window and be like, oh, no. Abby and Libby were inseparable best friends, the way that only 13 and 14-year-olds can be best friends. There's just something real special about middle school friendships. There's... You know, it's just never quite the same. It's a lot of intensity. It's so intense, like the intense cult-like friendship of your middle school times. I miss it. I mean, we're still friends, but it's not the same. We're grown-ups. We complain about work now. I don't miss middle school, though. That was a toxic environment. (laughs) No, for sure. Yeah, I don't want to think about it. That was also my peasant era. Uh, So I don't think I can go back to that. I'm humble now. I'm a little, like, more self-conscious. Oh, your peasant era was iconic. <laughs> Bring back the peasant era. It's more of just me being mad, but I'm a little toned down now because no more school, but, you know. Abby played saxophone in the school band and was on the volleyball team. She liked to read and loved spending time outdoors. She loved animals, especially her cat named Bongo, which is a great name. And she enjoyed photography and art. Bongo. Bongo! Bongo. Libby also played sax in the school band. And I have to wonder if they were friends earlier on and they both like were got to that age where you get to pick what like instrument you want to study. And they were both, because they were friends, wanted to do sax together so that they could spend music class together. Or if they just both really loved the saxophone. I mean, it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. I don't play the sax, but I go, I can see the appeal. I can see the appeal. I get it. Libby was also involved in several school sports, such as swimming, softball, volleyball, and soccer. She also enjoyed photography and art. She loved to spend time with family and friends, in particular going on adventures with her sister, who is also named Kelsey, though it is spelled differently, but that is an absolute gut punch. She just is Aaron. Really got your ass with that one, huh? One of them was born... Abby was born a couple months after my sister. Libby has a sister named Kelsey who's older. I don't like all these coincidences. Monday, February 13th, 2017. There was no school this day, and Abby had spent the night at Libby's house. You know, a classic middle school sleepover. Where no sleep is had. Kelsey German, Libby's older sister, dropped off Libby and Abby on County Road 300 North by the trailhead. The exact time is a little hard to pin down. Sources vary from 1.35 to 1.49 p.m. So somewhere between 1.30 and 2 p.m., the girls were dropped off at a trailhead that starts on County Road. Abby and Libby were going to hike on the Monon High Bridge over Deer Creek and take photos. The Monon High Bridge is an abandoned railroad trestle, which is just kind of a fancy word for train bridge. 
that people are technically not supposed to walk across because it's abandoned, but plenty of people in the community do it anyway, and it makes the perfect place to take photographs. At 2.07 p.m., Libby posted a photo of Abby walking along the bridge to social media. This is the last time they would be heard from. When they failed to meet Libby's father at 3.15 p.m., both families slowly began to realize something was very wrong. I think at first, if I was the dad, I wouldn't even think anything of it. They're 13, 14. Teenagers are not known for their time management skills. So then maybe 10 minutes go by, 15 minutes go by. Maybe he started texting the girls and they're not responding. So he starts texting both families to see if the girls caught a ride with somebody else. And then it becomes increasingly obvious that no one knows where they are, and the panic sets in. The families started searching for the girls themselves, but it soon became clear that they needed more help, and the girls were reported missing at 5.30 p.m. When I was around this age, my dad was late picking me up from some sport. I, I don't remember which. I accepted a ride from a friend who lived two minutes away from my house just up the road. I tried texting my dad to let him know, but I had a shit phone at the time, so the text did not send. And my dad got there 10 minutes after I left, and all the coaches could tell him was that I'd left in a white van. A white van. I was essentially missing for 30 minutes, and the way my mom still, this is, it's been years since this, she still talks about the fear. She describes it as feeling like she couldn't breathe until she figured out what had happened. And I know you, Stephanie, you went missing on your parents for a little while as a little kid, right? I mean, I used to just wander around, if that's what you mean. Like, as a two-year-old, my parents would just find me outside until they got a childproof lock because I would just leave unsupervised. As a small child, I would go hang out in the woods, go to a neighbor's house. It's like if they couldn't find me, it was like the assumption was, eh, she doesn't have a phone, but she's probably somewhere at someone else's house. I think most people have at least one story where they go missing on their parents for a little while, but it ends up happily. Uh, this was unfortunately not the case for Abby and Libby. Authorities began a quick search of the area where the girls were last seen the day of, and they did not initially suspect any foul play. I think they just thought that Abby and Libby were a couple of teenagers who had maybe run away and would be back the next day. I hate when they do this. When they do that, like, it's a, oh, they, they're just, like, teenagers. They, like, ran away from home. They'll be fine. I don't know exactly what the thought was on this. It was also February, so it's, like, 6 p.m. by the time they get out there. So it's already dark, so there's only so much you can really do, I guess. I'm not really sure what the logic here was. However, the next day, the search resumed, and around noon, the bodies of the girls were found about a half mile east of the Monon High Bridge on the north bank of Deer Creek. The details of the girls' cause of death has not been released to the public. This is still an ongoing investigation, technically, but I will say due to very recent updates that we will get into later on, I believe this has something to do with gunshot wounds. This is just an aside, but I'm looping back to Bongo because I heard a thing that said that, like, dogs don't have any concept of death. And it just makes me really sad to imagine, like, dogs and cats would have no idea why anyone's disappeared. I went through this whole, like, researching this whole case and I didn't think about that once. And now I'm never going to not think about that, Stephanie. Like, middle school, high school kids give a lot of attention to family pets. That's, like, 
That is a devastating loss for Bongo. Part of what made this case so well known is that police released a still image and an audio recording that were from a video found on Libby's phone. The audio, which I will share with you in a second, is said to be of the man saying, down the hill, likely directing the girls against their will. This means that Libby very likely recorded her own murderer. This is the assumption that police go with. But imagine having to make that decision at a 14 at 14 years old. Was she hoping that they would get away and that they would need proof that this person had threatened them? Or did she at 14 know that this man was very likely going to kill her and her best friend and recorded him in a desperate hope that he would be caught later? That is so incredibly smart, though, because one of the things I always think of is if I'm ever attacked, I am biting and scraping my nails against that person so much to get as much DNA from me on them and from them on me. So whoever goes fucking off, I got shit on me for them. Recording it is so smart. It is so sad that she had to think about that and then did that. But that is so incredibly smart of her to do. It's so smart. Here is, I'm going to show you guys the still that they pulled from that video of the guy. So it's pretty grainy. It's, pr- it's from pretty far away. So it's not like you can make out very many details of the guy's face, especially since he has a hat on and it's, his head's kind of pointed down. But I st- you could maybe recognize this guy if you knew him. Like you'd be like, oh, hey, that's Kyle. Oh, my God, Kyle. As for the audio recording, if you listen to it, it's a man saying, guys, down the hill. He's so calm. I hate that. Sounds like a, sounds like a voice. Sounds like a man. It's gross, right? But it's also like kind of the most generic voice you've ever heard. Like I could, I can't pin down accent, really anything of tone. Besides, like you said, Stephanie, that it's a man. I really can't, you know, tell anything about that. But maybe if you knew this person, I think that makes it sad. Like, obviously, this girl was trying to be really smart and use her time well and have evidence. And like what she got was a really blurry, not really blurry, but like a blurry picture of a kind of generic guy and like a scratchy sounding voice that like a scratchy sounding audio that's hard to really. It sounds like just any other white man. I will say that the police actually say they got more information off of Libby's phone than what is released to the public. They just cannot share it at this time because that's still an ongoing. That's going to be a repeat pattern in this. That would give away part of their investigation and you want to hold things to your chest that only the actual killer would know or else someone can claim to have done it and then have not. Exactly. But at the same time, you know, people might need to know that this guy is out there in the community. They, you know, Did anybody see a guy wearing blue on blue with a weird little hat? Like, who's this dude? It's a fine hat. It's a normal hat. But I'm a judge him for wearing a hat. (laughs) Who wears a hat to a murder? Honestly. I like you're like, oh, it's a fine normal hat, but because he's a killer and he's putting it on, shame on him. Show your bald little head. So this audio recording was released to the public February 22nd, at which point the reward for information on the case had been set at $41,000. I don't know if anybody ever claimed that. I don't think so. Police have built a timeline for the events of this day as best as they can, and we're going to go over some of the major points along that timeline now. 
So a witness would come forward saying that they saw a man that looked like the one from this photo in the area on the day of the murder at around 1.26 p.m., so shortly before the girls would have been dropped off. A couple of different police sketches would result from this witness statement and other witness statements and be circulated. Here is the first police sketch. Again, kind of a guy, just a generic dude. Here's the second one, which seems to have more of a beard. I think they like the first person might have said they had something like a five o'clock shadow, and this one seems to be more like they had a bit of a beard, and they've put him in the hat and the hoodie from the video. Make him a little scruffier. That looks more like maybe a person you'd know. Yeah, I know that you're supposed to just kind of get like, general guidelines of a face but it's always fascinated me how do you pick like a sketch artist like i feel like this the first one is vastly different from the second in all in all manners and you also have to remember that these have resulted from different witness statements as well so different people might have said something particular about the eyes this one the second one also could have been rendered from an attempt to get a better image of the guy from the video itself whereas the first sketch i believe was just straight from a witness statement so that could also explain the discrepancy in detail there at 1 27 p.m and we can be a little bit more sure about that timestamp as it's from a security camera a vehicle resembling a 2016 ford focus was caught on security camera outside a store traveling north on County Road 300. So the same road that the girls had been dropped off on a little bit before they'd gotten there. As mentioned previously, Libby posted a picture of Abby at 2.07 p.m., this being the last communication from either girl. According to the metadata from Libby's phone, the Down the Hill recording occurred at 12.13 p.m., minutes after the girls were happily taking photos and having fun. At 3.37 p.m., a witness traveling north on County Road 300, this is a very popular road, uh, saw a man walking west away from the Monon High Bridge. She said that the man was wearing blue jeans and a blue jacket, like the video, that were muddy and bloody. This witness would also say that it looked like he'd been in a fight. I will refer you to the photo Libby took, matching the clothing the suspect was wearing. This case would unfortunately go pretty cold after this. However, that did not mean that they would stop looking. So over the years, there have been a few suspects, only a couple that were really possible possibilities, though. In September 2017, a registered sex offender from Indiana was arrested in Colorado for threatening teenagers on a trail with a hatchet. Well then! Jesus! Huh. Huh. Sounds like a great guy. He's outdoorsy. He's good with tools. He knows trails. Not only... He's good with tools. Not only was this the same year as the Delphi murders, this man was from Indiana, threatening teenagers alone on a hiking trail. Very similar MO. However, by February of 2018, this man was no longer considered a person of interest. I couldn't find the exact reason why. My best guess is that he had an alibi that checked out. 
I love, though, that when cases like this happen and they start looking for suspects, you just kind of discover how many pieces of garbage just kind of live around an area. There's so many weirdos, too. Why are there so many people that are threatening teenagers on hiking trails? Like, what the fuck? Why? Because they're weird and they have nothing better to do. And some of them are just like, well, women my age don't care about me. So I'll just go for, like, younger ones. Which is weird and disgusting. Gross. There's a reason women your age don't care about you. (laughs) By July 23rd, 2019, there were multiple suspects for the murders. Paul Etter, wanted for kidnapping and rape of a 26-year-old woman in Tippecanoe County. Sounds like a real great guy. Can't imagine why he might be suspected in this case. Bro. <sighs> was a sus- was listed as a suspect for the Delphi murders. Unfortunately, he died by suicide June 27th, 2019 after a 5-hour standoff with police. So, if he was involved, we'll never hear it from him. 5 hours. I hate when criminals just commit suicide and just escape punishment that way. I personally think a 26-year-old woman and two teenagers is as gross as it is, too much of a different differential of victim type for it to fully make sense. But I could also see why you might want to question this guy. Unfortunately... He died by suicide. I think they kind of threw him out there as like, there was also this garbage guy as a possibility, even though he's dead now, just to. For the recent update that we've all been waiting to hear about. October 26th, 2022, a man was taken into custody as a suspect for the Delphi murders. By October 31st, he was charged with two counts of murder. We don't know too much about this man or his connection to the case, as not everything can be released yet. But here's what we do know right now. Richard Allen is 50 years old and lived near the hiking trails where the girls were found. Investigators believe that he is the man in the video Libby took. Investigators also believe that the vehicle caught on security cameras is Allen's Ford Focus, which he had registered to his name at the time. Allen also apparently told investigators that he was on the bridge in clothes matching the man in the video. I don't know if he fully outright admitted to being the man in the video or if he just was trying to be like, oh, I was there, but, you know, I didn't do it. I don't know if they recorded me, but I was there. I would never remember the clothes I was wearing, like years in the past on a very specific day unless something very very noteworthy happened on that day and i needed to remember exactly what i was wearing yeah that's weird true but they had a video with an image still i you can look at it and go oh yeah i do have that jacket i might have been wearing it that day and i was there that day kind of weird at this point, police released to the public that an unspent 40 caliber bullet was found near the bodies, which is why I believe that the cause of death had to do with gunshot wounds, even though this has not been confirmed by investigators yet. So that is just me finding one and finding one and making two. Mm-hmm. Unspent simply means that the bullet was not fired. This bullet was found to have ejection marks, which means that it was loaded into the gun and then ejected without firing. The distinct marks found on this bullet indicated that it had been cycled through a Sig Sauer P2.0 
226. Specifically, the one police had, had seized from Alan's home along with several other firearms. Did you know that um, whenever you buy a gun, Legally, they have the specific and distinct and individualizing marks that the barrel of that gun makes on a bullet on record. Good. They should. Especially with things in America. <laughs> Alan had bought this firearm in 2001, and he told detectives that he had never let anyone borrow it, which I believe is illegal. Any I don't know what the exact rules about letting people borrow guns are, but that seems sketch. Borrowing guns. It's not like a cup of sugar. <laughs> hey, Bill. Hey, Bill. Sorry. You know, I ran out at home. Do you mind if I borrow your gun? Just just a gun for like a couple hours. And uh, you know what? I'm also going to bake a cake. Can I have a cup of sugar? <laughs> Can I borrow that gun for a hot second? The trial has been set for March 2023. And Richard Allen has pled not guilty. And is requesting the court move the trial outside of the county to ensure an unbiased trial. That makes sense, because everyone in that county is probably like, nope, that's him. We're done. Which, like, with all this evidence, we're all, all the things we know. Yeah, it's a little, like, it could seem a little sketchy, but also at the same time, at this point, it's been about five years with no arrests made. I imagine the community is very starved for conviction as well. And everybody knows, number one, they know the families, and number two, they probably kind of know this guy. So it's going to become kind of a... Well, you know, I always thought he was a weird guy, you know, he skipped the line in the bathroom, you know, he's a terrible guy. Like, I could see how that trial could get biased really quickly. This guy doesn't wash his hands. As he has not been found legally guilty, he is still considered not guilty because that's how American court systems work. A lot of information about the case, as I pretty much said the entire video, has not been released to the public as it is still ongoing. I think there, there's a good amount of evidence in this case that has been already released, but like their cause of death. I also, I debated whether or not to talk about this, but I have to wonder about the state of the bodies, if there was a sexual component to this crime, which is a really disgusting. I've been thinking about that this whole time. It's a very disgusting thing that I really wish I didn't think about when it comes to the murder of two teenagers. But then also, like, they did not know this dude. I, they're two teenagers. They don't have money. I struggle to think of another motive. Yeah. And honestly, like, let's be honest here. Anytime I hear about a woman being murdered, my brain always wonders if they have been assaulted or not. I also think because of that other guy that they threw into the suspect pool who'd been... Uh, I guess he hadn't been convicted because he killed himself before he could be convicted, but was responsible for the kidnapping and rape. I wonder if there was something about his modus operandi that made him made them think of him in this case as a suspect. Yeah. I really wish I didn't think about that, but we unfortunately live in a really disgusting world. I think I also think that the police wouldn't make the arrest unless they had a pretty solid case, which... It's his gun. It's very specifically his gun, not any other kind of Sig Sauer P226. It is his P226. He admits to being there that day. It sounds pretty solid to me. If Richard is guilty, that means he got away with this for five years, living within the community that mourned for Abby and Libby, which, I mean, you can see why they might want to move this case to another county to ensure an unbiased trial. 
Shortly after the murders, Libby's mother requested that the community install orange lights on their porches, not only in memoriam for Abby and Libby, but also to indicate that their murderer is still at large. I don't know if orange was one of the girls' favorite colors or if there's a particular meaning behind the orange outside of that, but they've been doing that since 2017. Now that there has been an arrest, I'm not sure if the orange lights are still up, but I think they'll probably stay up until it, at least until someone receives justice. That's kind of like the nice thing that like comes out of some of these things is that you can see a community coming together and bonding to support each other after like a horrific event. And of course, you don't want the horrific event, but it's nice to see a community kind of rallying. I actually have a piece of less disappointing news that will kind of feed into that for you, Annalise. As disappointing as this murder is, uh, before we end this, I want to mention that I got a lot of my information about who Abby and Libby were as people from abbyandlibbymemorialpark.com. There is a memorial park that for these girls that provides resources for people to participate in the activities that Abby and Libby loved doing in life. They have softball and baseball fields, an amphitheater, picnic areas, and more. It is a wonderful place of community for the people of Delphi, and it is still growing, so you can donate to this park if you are so inclined. It will be the first link in the source list. It's just, like Annalise said, it's really nice to see something positive come out of something so very negative, and that these girls' legacies still live on. That's so nice for them. I'm not really sure I have that much else to say about this case. It's still ongoing. There Maybe an update in March when this trial is supposed to happen. It may get pushed. Who knows? You know how the court system is. No, I don't. I mean, we're promised uh, speedy trials or appropriately timed trials. So I have full faith in our legal system to happen on time and appropriately and fairly. I mean, it may also move if they decide they do want to change counties because that means that they have to reselect the entire jury uh, I have a coworker who's who went through um, the jury selection process very recently, and that took about a month just on its own. And then they kept pushing the trial back because I guess the lawyer for the, I don't know what this case is, so I can't give you any details. You're not supposed to know because I don't know anything. But I guess they kept pushing for more time and kept pushing it back. So now, just recently, they're actually doing uh, the trial, and my Co-worker's like, yeah, I'm going to be out for like a week, week and a half, says the judge. And I'm like, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I I don't really have anything else to say than this because I, I don't know if I want to say if I think Richard Allen is guilty or not. I think they're, well, I mean, I'm going to say that the evidence is pretty damning. The gun's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. But also, legally speaking, he's still not guilty in the eyes of the law. So I don't want to say he's for sure guilty and then get in trouble for saying that because that's not true. Yeah, we got to innocent until proven guilty here. Let's not. <laughs> I will say that if Richard Allen is guilty, and I'm not saying he is, but if he is, then I hope he gets the prison sentence that he deserves, which is incredibly long. So, yeah, I mean, it's a disappointing case because I'm really disappointed that these two girls didn't get to live the lives that they deserved. But it also kind of ended on a hopeful note because hopefully the men who might have done it will receive justice soon. 
and oh no i guess that's not how people say it i hope abby and livy get justice soon because this man will be brought to justice those are how words work and they have they have this memorial park so it sounds like the delphi community is still going strong even despite this i don't know how to end this that's all i've got thanks for joining us push in your chair and we'll see y'all next time with another sad disappointing story like we always do or what about greedy capitalists we'll see bye everyone disappointing either way bye bye that's it just it's done we're done bye